Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, Raptor fans? Uh, tonight, we got a, a unique duo. It's me, Aiden Moss, and Mr. Zarar himself. How are you doing, Zarar? Uh, I'm enjoying Pascal Siakam. That was about it, though. Yeah, limited highlights tonight. A lot of lowlights. This was a stinker almost right from the get-go. If you like basketball, generally watching someone like Tyrese Maxey go into the stratosphere was cool. But otherwise, this was a painful one to watch. Toronto got smashed by uh, Embiid-less Philadelphia 76ers. Which you didn't, I don't know about you, Zara. I did, certainly did not anticipate that thumping. No, not at all. Not at all. This one, you know, this one was uh, like you would think this would be like a walk in the park Friday night, head into the weekend, feeling good about yourself. You know, one of the, one of those games and it turned out uh, nothing. And, you know, it started off with like Maxi going off. And then you're like, he's not, he can't possibly keep this up. Like this is like a first quarter streak. He's going to cool down. The Raptors are the better team. They're going to come back and complete this. But no, it wasn't to be. The guy had like what? I, I think I stopped watching him when he had forty-two points. Uh, I don't know how, nine how, how threes. much threes. Ten threes. Nine. Nine threes. So there you go. And I, I, we got to say, man, the Raptors' defense—that all that length ain't worth anything if you're leaving the wrong guy open. Yeah. The I will give Toronto the benefit of the doubt early. They actually had multiple good defensive possessions, and it just ended. The first three of the game was literally Maxi. I think it was Van Vliet, like in Maxi's shorts. Like it was just a nice shot. A couple of other possessions happened like that where it was a good twenty-three seconds of defense, and we just let let someone score. Um, yeah, better offense, and it seemed like that took the air out of their tires immediately. And I think you know to your point about the Raptors' length, the Raptors' strength, all of that. None of that matters if you're not going to put effort in. And it seemed like once Maxi got hot, the the sustained effort of Toronto just went away, um, and things kind of broke down from there. Yeah, I, th- I think it, it broke down on. Uh, I think that three point shooting um, was was not great. Uh, like sometimes you can counter a hot player if somebody on your team is hot. Yeah. But it became quite evident that Pascal and OG, to to some degree, were the only two guys who were sort of going for them. Uh, and you know, but but now, now you know, I I'll go back to the Raptors' defense. Like some of those, like I get a player is hot, but there are too many instances. And if you if you go to the Raptors Republic Twitter account, I was uh, I was uh, posting on there tonight, and I posted at least like three or four or at least three plays where the Raptors defensively just lost track of Maxi. With no yeah. excuse, like like I think his last three was a good example where Harden, who's having a so-so game, gets doubled way behind the three-point line, and Maxi kind of like just goes over like you know six feet away from him, and Barnes is late, Boucher's kind of late on the other side, and, and they hit a three. So you know it's it's early season; these are things you got to work out. It's just that sometimes I'm surprised that the Raptors, who are considered a good defensive team, can have such you know, seemingly obvious lapses. And uh, you know, it's easy for two guys sitting here to say, hey, man, defensive laps. But it, it, it doesn't jive with the narrative that the Raptors are a, are a good defensive team, which they are, so it doesn't jive. They, I mean, they they look tired, which I don't know if it's excusable. They've played five games since Friday, I want to say. Um, and so I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like we, you know, we've been monitoring the minutes they've been playing, which is a lot. They've been playing some high intensity, high energy games. It, they just came in flat. Scotty looked like meh, but precious looked disinterested. Um, it took wa- a while for Boucher to get going. Freddie looked exhausted. They just Horrible. wasn't moving very well. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, these games happen at the same time, you know, from a larger perspective, 
coming into this game, these are the games we need to win if we consider ourselves the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. Like you got to go in on at home on a back to on a two game series without a superstar and smash the other team. Like yeah. there's really just no excuse for that. And and to me, that's what's most con- more, more concerning out of all of this is just there there wasn't that killer instinct from the like the, from a team perspective. Yeah. And, and sometimes I think even, you know, they're, they're human beings just like us. And uh, sometimes they look at Embiid is out and they feel the job just got easier. And, and this happens all the time, right, where the main guy's out and, and other people step up and surprise the team that expected it to be maybe an easy ride. So that's that's on the Raptors for underestimating the Sixers tonight. Um, you know, but 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 I, but, I, but I was like, if you want to talk about maybe a couple of positives before we get into the many negatives, it was Pascal Siakam, man. Like he's the, the guy is just phenomenal. Uh, I think I, I I think I counted like three moves he did, which he he did not do consistently last year. Like his his fakes on the on, when he backs people down are just tighter. Uh, they're diffi- more difficult to anticipate. Even when he catches the ball like further out at the three point line, the old Pascal would maybe just settle and you know kind of take like a 21 footer or 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 going but this one kind of backs you down he knows who's guarding him he knows which direction he has to go he knows where the help defense is coming from and now that he's sort of sort of putting all these things together uh, he he, he's looking you know quite quite unstoppable it's early days but he's looking quite good yeah the defender recognition thing is something that really stands out to me um when his shots go up, I expect him to go in now, which is also a sign of where, like, I feel like Siakam is in just general NBA, you know, hierarchy. But yeah, he he's a predator now that toys with his prey. He sees who he gets on the switch, who he has. Like, if it's BJ Tucker, he's like, okay, juice, you know. If he gets a switch and it's Maxi on him, like, let's let's go. Uh, there doesn't seem to be anybody that he's all that daunted with. It's more that he's not executing on the, the shot itself. Like, he can basically get anywhere he wants. That being said, he had five turnovers, I want to say. At least two were pick sixes, which were, like, pretty lazy. Um, you know, just, like, inexcusable. And and it's those kinds of plays that absolutely zap uh, an already lackluster team of any energy that they had left, you know? So he wasn't fully... Uh, perfect but he certainly carried this team to some degree i'll also say uh well actually if you have anything else to say on pascal please well i i I don't mind his turnovers to be honest with you i i think for a guy that handles the ball as much as he does and um the, the the amount of ball handling he does and given that he's relatively new to being a primary ball handler uh and given that he produces so much i think turnovers are sort of expected uh, maybe they're at a slightly higher rate than you would uh, you would want, but I think in terms of the ratio of ball handling to turnovers is still pretty damn good. Yeah, like like we tend to look at assisted turnovers a lot and evaluate ball handlers using that. I remember Jose Calderon way back in the day had like the league leading assisted turnover ratio. <laughs> that was his like calling card, right? That was his thing. And w- with with today's NBA, I don't know what the stat is, but I think the amount amount of amount you handle the ball has to be considered. So I, I'm, I'm actually fine with this turnovers. And also when, when you're turning the ball over, it also means you're taking some risks in your passing. And I think we all want that. We don't want Pascal to sort of always look for the obvious pass. If you're going to be a full-time ball handler, you will have to thread the needle a couple times or, or like take a gamble here. Those are, those to me are good things. So his turnovers have never been, or this year are, are not even a, I, I barely noticed those. Yeah, no, I, it's fair enough. Like if you're if you're going to suddenly be such a high usage guy like Pascal is, you're going to have turnovers. I just mean there were a couple like top of key passes where they actually just got picked off. And you're like, what are you doing? But um, yeah, Pascal is just an absolute wonder to watch. Another guy who I absolutely love watching, who played very well tonight, and who really was the only one that had sustained energy was OG and Obi. He mentioned at the beginning of the game or the pregame that. You know, he's got his eye on the uh, Defensive Player of the Year award. And, you know, recognition of OG internationally-wide, league-wide, has been a long time coming. The Matisse-Tybal-like hype has gone and passed, thank God. Jesus, that was awful. Um, and we we saw OG, OG in full form tonight. Like, when him and Freddie did those double teams on the corners, which is hilarious to me, like, 
it happened three or four times, and yet Harden continued to walk into the exact same spot each time and get sniped with the double and like barely get out of it. But when OG clamped down on it, it was just like like Harden had nowhere to go. OG seemed to be all over the place tonight, and I I just love watching him on the defensive end. Yeah, with with OG, I think it's sort of like he's settling into. I think the fan expectations of OG. Uh, are I have always been sort of very um, I don't know volatile. Let's say uh, yes. some people expect him to be kind of like Pascal 2.0. Some people expect expect him to be like a three and D player, but he's probably somewhere in the middle, right? Like he's not he's not he's not he's not so limited in his skill that he's only a three and D guys that would be selling him short. But at the same time, he's not as fluid as Pascal is. And the OG we saw today is probably the OG that's sort of best for this for this for this group of of Raptors. The guy who's forcing that that steal he had on Harden is uh, was, you know, I, I really thought that was going to get the Raptors back in the game at the time. So he, he's he's yeah. contributing all over the like oh, all yeah. over the place. So I I got no problems with OG man. The the people who hate on OG just e- either like I don't know what they expect of the guy. Like he's not going to be Pascal level player anytime soon, but he's still a pretty damn good player. And w- w- his name comes up the most in trade talk. And I've always maintained. If OG's going out in a trade, like somebody like better than OG should be coming back. And I don't really see that happening on the market. Yeah, I, I've thought about this before. I, the, the weird thing about OG is he's not like a top tier player in the NBA per se. But there's very few players I'm trading him straight up for. Only because if you look at every single team in the NBA... They're often missing one piece, and that's the the wing defender, the wing shooter, the wing like versatile guy. And OG fits the mold on all of those. Yes, we want him to evolve into a Pascal Light, and and it's very possible he will. He is still very young, um, and he's missed a lot of time. He came off an ACL uh, tear in college. He missed. He's had a lot of injuries in his young career. There's a lot wrong with his game, and I've the last two weeks of my articles highlighted them quite explicitly. That being said, what he does on the floor, like defensively, just generally, but like offensive rebounding, shooting, all of like finishing in the lane, those kinds of things, like they are vital to this team's success. And um, and, and he exemplified it tonight, really. Like he looked really good tonight. I I don't know I don't know if I saw OG bringing the ball up the court much maybe a couple of possessions but I, I don't remember this being a sticking point for me um, the, the the other thing about OG the one you you when you were you know running down the all the good things he does the the other thing the other thing is that he's low shot demand guy like you don't have to yeah. feed him the ball he knows how to operate without hogging the ball or needing the ball and that's a skill in itself there are some guys who will only be a good uh, defensive player if they get the ball enough. OG doesn't even need that. So he's he's by default he comes in with, with being a strong defensive player. So that's also a big positive uh, positive for him. So uh, you know I got I got no problem with OG and Pascal man. They're, those were the two good guys today. But yeah, people so- here in the comments man, I'm just reading them. I'm not sure who they uh, some people are really, really ripping on Fred. Let's talk about Fred I guess. Okay. What was your take on Fred? I I the thing about Fred, so the, in the chat, they're talking about role recognition. And I think Freddie in the past year and now this year is still juggling with what that means for him. And, you know, his <laughs> his usage has gone way down. His um, assists have gone way up. And I think that's the sweet spot for Freddie. And yet sometimes he tries to do too much still. And you saw it a lot tonight where he's hoisting way too deep. He's just kind of like begging for a bucket and and like expecting it to go in without really um, engendering it in a, in a, a like organic way. And that's when I'm really frustrated by Freddie. Like that's not really something Lowry ever did. And I, I know it's not necessarily fair to compare the two, but that's the role he needs to play essentially is be the deferential secondary tertiary scorer on the team take over when they need him to and he's not very good yet at choosing those moments wisely and doing it in a way that fits the flow of the offense and tonight like it was very very obvious 
you know, usually he hits one or two of those desperate threes and you're like, oh, oh you know, and you can't really get mad about it. But when he goes oh for whatever it was, um, it really stands out. Yeah, that's his game, though. Uh, I think that's that's been his game for the last two two years, I'd say, as, as he has decided to sort of not attack the rim. If you if you remember, if you rewind two years, the complaint against Fred was that when he drives, it's predictable, and he and he gets stuffed at the rim. So his finishing was poor about a couple of years back. That was his primary complaint. Still pretty bad. Right. And since then he has adjusted and he's moved back and added an arc to his shot and he's become a good three point shooter today. The shots aren't falling, uh, but that's okay. Shots fall. Shots don't fall. Like we we've seen games like this from Fred before Um, it's defensively. I I thought he was not good now, especially against Harden. Harden got by him. And I I know it's James Harden, you know, great player, all that stuff, but couple of possessions where he really put Pascal in, in a vulnerable position by not holding his own w- with Harden, who wasn't even doing his, like, eight dribble, you know, no. waist swap move. It was just, like, Harden just not even trying to drive that much and, and getting past Fred. So that did not sit right. Yeah, no. I, uh, I, I mean, I agree with you with the, like, those are his shots. I just, I just kind of, I differ with the selection. It's, like, when, when how, what time, like it doesn't, it's not very flowy, but yeah, his defense did look, he just looked flat-footed, he looked tired, and I know he went into the locker room late in the second quarter when he got subbed off, so I don't know if, like, you know, I think Alvin and Devlin were uh, speculating on, you know, could have been sick, could have had a little nagging injury or something, but it he didn't look his normal self, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, who well, did look his normal self and yet didn't, do you have anything else to say on Freddie? Well, no, I was going to talk about three-point shooting, but for, yeah, no, no, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, this will kind of lead to three-point shooting. Who did look normal and good, but didn't play much in the fourth quarter with Scotty Barnes, which is like, I I oh, don't know I disagree, what happened. Man. Huh? I disagree on his good game. I don't think he had a good game. Uh, I, thought, I, I, thought he, I, I thought he took, uh, like he had some good sh- like bailout shots early on where he kind of bailed the Raptors out on at the tail end of a clock. But he took some questionable shots in 1v1 situations early uh, in the shot clock, but did not help our, our generally stagnant offense. And then defensively, I thought he was a culprit on a few of the maxi threes. Uh, he, he did not know where he was. Even the three that I described earlier where they doubled hard and it was Scotty's job to go over. And even Scotty and Fred were not on the same page. And that resulted in at least a couple maxi threes where, uh, you know, they, 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 they both like – Kind of magneted to the guy who's rolling to the towards the basket and left the wing guy open. And it's not like it, w- it was early in the game. This was like when Maxi had already hit like five threes. So not great communication between Barnes and, and Fred as well. Yeah, Barnes had a good offensive game, but I, you know at some point. But I, I'm I'm not happy with this game. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. But I thought I do I did think early on he looked good and or like good enough. And especially when no shots were falling, he was four for seven in the game, three for four from three which is like very irregular in the fourth quarter. Our defense is tight and, but we're not scoring. I would have thought he would come in earlier and he didn't. So that, that kind of surprised me. Um, Precious Achua also didn't come in at all in the fourth quarter. He, to me, he looked very bad. And actually I could say this about most of the guys on the team is that what was beautiful to watch in the Philly game on Wednesday was the ball movement um, the teamwork on offense, the, the obviously the transition. They didn't have a single transition bucket or sorry, fast break bucket in the first half um, in today. Whereas yesterday or on Wednesday they had a ton. They uh, didn't have any turnovers in the first half on Wednesday. They had a ton today. So there, the the coherency of the team was missing tonight, and that to me that was really obvious on the offensive end where everybody was just trying to get theirs. Like Precious is just like looking at the hoop, kind of jabbing and pumping, faking, whatever. And then it's just ugliness. Um, and and to your point, Scotty did that a little bit too, although he hit them. But yeah, it just everybody kind of looked like they were, they had television on and they were out of sorts. Yeah. Well, this is a, this is a good, this is a, I mean, this is, so if you look at the Raptors issues uh, from the, like their, their weaknesses, it has, like all three came out today, all three, like in spades, Uh, three point shooting, 
I think they were like 22% compared to Philly's 42. Uh, our producer is not here so today, so nobody knows how to get the box score up anymore. Uh, so three-point shooting was one. Second, bench scoring. I think they had like 16 points and Philly had like 25, around somewhere around that. So that was not good. And finally is the backup point guard uh, question. When Fred doesn't have it going on, which he didn't tonight, who's taking, who's stepping up? Malachi Flynn, Delano Banton looks like he's a he's a pretty good preseason player. Uh, but, you know, n- neither of those two are really reliable backups. And, you know, Aiden, at the start of the show, you said, like, if we have if we have like contending aspirations and our backup point guard position is quite suspect. Yeah, I wrote about this today, sadly, in the, our five things about the natural regression of our three point shooting. We were shooting 46 percent from our catch and our uh, catch and shoot threes. So, you know, it was going to go back down and it came crash back down hard tonight. Um, I did say though, that we could, we're better equipped this year to adapt to when we're not shooting well. And there was ample opportunity to win this game, regardless of our shooting. You know, the three things you mentioned as, um, as vulnerabilities is true, but the things that we're typically good at, we also didn't do like, Offensive rebounding was down. Uh, Forced turnovers into transition was down. Like, you know, it was kind of everything across the board. But I do I do agree with you with the bench and the shooting. And I do think Malachi Flynn deserves uh, more reps. Oren highlighted this with, with nurses' rotations, which is, like, quite irritating to me now. Like, someone has called me out about Thaddeus Young. We'll get to him. But, like, he gets – Thad gets, like, two minutes – Banton gets a little bit, then Flynn gets a little bit. Like, there's just no consistency on the rotations. Like, how is a guy supposed to find his his like vibes if he's going in and out at like a at an unpredictable pace? Like, it's just not healthy for any young player to get his footing. Yeah, it, it seems. But but Nick Nurse has always sort of done this, right? I mean, early seasons uh, up until December, he's always kind of had wonky lineups where he's sort of kind of seeing what fits where. So this this is not this is not new for Nick Nurse. He's done this before, and the lineups generally have stabilized later on in the in the season. I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but that's not too surprising for me. It, it, it seems like uh, Nurse is a, a very when his substitutions are very reactionary. He's on the defensive. Uh, a lot, especially when he's down like today, he was kind of searching for answers on any lineup that could contain Philly. So I, I can see why he threw out Malachi Flynn, threw out Delano Banton, just to see if anything worked because defensively nothing much was working. So, you know, on, on the flip side, if he hadn't done that, I think some of the comments tonight, or uh, we might say, well, he should have tried Flynn and Banton if one of them wasn't working. So it kind of cuts both ways for me. Yeah, I just, I just think Flynn. Flynn does have more potential. Like we just have kind of written him off and, and nurse does seem to harbor like, I don't know, not resentment, but, but, uh, disdain. For certain <laughs> players. Resentment, I think. <laughs> like, you know, Yuta Watanabe last year is a perfect example of who to me seems like with what you have available could be, uh, you know, a fine answer. And I think Flynn is the same here. Maxi is no brilliant guy on defense, right? Like, the, it's not like I understand that our defense wasn't was like we needed somebody to step up defensively, but no one was playing good defense. So let's bring out a guy who can at least create offensively and shoot, and maybe give a spark to this team. I I, I think Flynn's defense is uh, underrated. Like, I don't think he's like absolutely atrocious. He can kind of sustain himself despite despite his size, and I just think that Nurse is not. And I, I've talked about this before, but I, growing up, I was a big Steve Nash Phoenix Suns fan. Mike D'Antoni was the same way. He only worked with seven guys, sometimes eight. And it really went back to bite him in the ass. Like, you've got to take your losses early playing these guys and letting them flex their muscles and get the reps later down the road when you're going to need them, when it's injury or whatever else. And I think he's doing a disservice to these guys by just, like, plugging them in and, in and out. Uh, you know, I gotta. You know, I don't know if you take if you take comments at the end or whatever, but I, I, I watch them and I feel like reacting to them because I yeah, mean, let's do it. You know, like this. Losing yeah. OG's role is hurting this team. Siakam and Scotty leading the team got us to the playoffs last year. By the way, we didn't do crap in the playoffs, so that's not really a great, uh, you know, target. 
Uh, I don't think we have, I don't think there's been a deliberate strategy to increase OG's role. I think that has been a narrative that came in the off season where somebody said, oh, OG is not happy with his role. And that was a debunked in training camp. Um, so I, I don't think the rappers have generally had a let's give OG more touches strategy. Have you noticed anything like that? Or So first play of the game, they try to post him up and Pascal turned the ball over. Um, no, and in fact, I would argue that they're not doing it in a proper way. Like I, I think I'm sure they're encouraging OG to, to cook like the same way they're doing it to precious, the same way they're doing it to Scotty. But I would argue that they're not doing it. They should be doing it in a more precise way, which is posting OG up, getting him moving off the ball and getting him the ball while he's moving to like attack downhill. Like, that's where where I've always had beef with how Nurse operates his offense is he doesn't set players up to in a way that accentuates what they're good at in their offense. Instead, they're like, okay, OG, like, sure, you've got the ball now. Like, you can try and do your stuff. And he doesn't really do his stuff. He's not that good at it right now. Um, and so, like, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that that's what's happening right now, that, like, OG suddenly getting a ton of reps and it's it's hurting us. I would say generally that Nurse lets a lot of guys try and 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 operate, including Freddie, including Precious, including Scotty. Yeah. And and the, the, the po- I've been I've been saying about OG post ups for like, I don't know, four years now that he, he's he's the Raptors best post up player. Maybe maybe not anymore with Siakam, uh, how good he's become. But he's certainly like the strongest post-up guy at his position that we have, I think. Uh, the, the, the issue with posting up OG, and I've thought about this a little bit, is that posting up OG is counter to what the Raptors want to do as a team. Like if, if you are doing, if, if you're posting your wings up, you're automatically slowing the game down a little bit. And in OG's case, it probably works better for him because he is a good post-up player. He's stronger than most. He can get a shot up. Uh, against pretty much anybody at his position, uh, but what 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 it has the effect of doing is it has the effect of sort of slowing the game down a little bit. Uh, so what's in OG's best interest offensively in terms of what he's good at is not necessarily aligned with the Raptors' uh, overall strategy of like run and gun and 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 keep the pace high. And those two things have always been sort of at tension with each other. And even now, like three four years later, it's still sort of. Um, unresolved yeah yeah i i think they don't do a lot of set offenses that you know put guys in certain situations for that very reason that they want to be more flowy more read reactive whatever um and that's fine but i do think that they can get some motion offenses that get like scotty needed that last year he doesn't really need it this year but i og still needs it i think precious could use it like, I think there are ways to get these guys. This is not really answering the question anymore, but I think there are ways to get these guys with the ball in, his hand, in their hands in a dynamic position on the move without a set defense just like in their faces, you know? We're, we're going to get to, we're going to get to Greg's question next. He's got a good question about precious level of effort, but I think there's also a couple of people talking about the zone defense that, that has hurt I the actually Raptors. liked our offense against the zone yet on Wednesday and today. I yeah same here. I like the I I mean yeah it wasn't we, we didn't we 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 shot the ball poorly. We, we I get it. But I like the the Raptors flashing Siakam to the top I of post. the key and putting him in sort of good decision making, you know, positions because top of the key is where you want to catch it because you get you get to see the whole court left side right side and you get to evaluate and I thought he made good decisions there. I thought the Raptors ball movement after he had caught the ball was a bit poor. Sometimes, yep. but overall, I like their approach to the zone. They're not; they're, they're, they usually don't handle the zone well, and they end up settling for deep shots. But today, I thought they were a little bit better. What do you think? I totally agree. General principles: breaking a two-three zone is you crush it with three-point shooting. If that's not happening, you get it in the high post and you kind of like cut it out at the belly. But then, on top of that, is also a lot of ball movement. On Wednesday, that was what was happening especially the like Barnes kept uh, finding that baseline cut or like in the dunker spot. And they were just, you know, eating them alive and Embiid was way too slow to, to react to it. And, and Pascal's sweet spot is that high post. Like he really cooks down there. So in my opinion, having the zone in some ways is, is kind of like 
conducive to what we want. It gives Pascal that space to operate without a convergence. And if there is a convergence, no problem. He's going to find the open guy. Similarly to Scotty, Scotty's his own little ecosystem, his own little like play hub that um, I think Lou wrote about today. Um, and it's true, like especially this year, Scotty has become this uh, dynamic offensive player. And he too is best in that, that high post spot where he wants to pass first. He can see the entire court from there or he can just shoot a 12-foot jumper, which he's very comfortable with. I think you hit it on the head. Their ball movement sucked. Like the shooting wasn't there, so be it. But they just weren't really picking apart Philly like they were on Wednesday. Yeah. We're going to get to some more questions like immediately. But I think this might be a good time to plug uh, the site, the subscription model that we have going. Uh, you mentioned the uh, Lou article. Uh, definitely check it out. It's uh, it's, a, it's a, you know, we'll, Lewis is a freaking brilliant writer, man. Um, it, it's, it's some of the best stuff uh, on the internet belongs to uh, uh, Lewis. So this is the piece that he wrote today. He broke down Scotty quite well. Uh, go check it out. If you're, if you're a fan of the show, if you, if you like Rappers Republic, support us. We're trying to be independent. We're trying not to get taken over by big media. And uh, so, yeah, if you got, if you got six bucks on you, uh, per month, you get to you get to you get to read uh, you know Samson, Lou, Aiden, all those guys. So check it out, John Smith. Thank you for subscribing. We love it. Okay, let's get to more questions. I think that's it. For okay, me. Matt Hogg's on my ass about Thad. So let's talk. Yeah, about okay. That. He, yeah, he's he's got a few questions. He, what's up with you and Thad? I mean, what do you, you well, I, t- I think I mean I've always been a big Thad fan. And I defended him. He he does look a step slow. I will admit that. Um, I think. To me, the biggest problem has not necessarily been Thad himself, but that Coloco has bumped him in the rotation. And so there's really no space for him anymore. Um, and I didn't really foresee that coming. I thought Birch was going to maybe step aside and Thad was going to replace Birch. I didn't really think Coloco was going to be a big part of this part of this picture. Um, and, you know, again, Thad's not really getting enough time to really operate. I think uh, I want to say against maybe Brooklyn. He had like a couple of good minutes. Um, But yeah, I mean, I can't really defend that. He hasn't really done all that much, but he also hasn't played all that much because Coloco has looked so dynamic. So how about we split the difference there, Matt? I don't think he's going to split the difference with you, buddy. He wants it all. (laughs) I think he wants it all. Uh, And yeah, I mean, you're in a tough position defending Thad right now because the guy is, I I honestly, I I see, I I see the veteran, uh, the veteran presence and and all that stuff. Um, I, I just don't see from a basketball perspective what he does. I know last time that you and I were on this on the, on this show together, you were talking about how like he's very good at like moving the ball around. Like the ball doesn't get stuck with him, and like he he's a good swing. He's like a good intermediary guy. So so and he, he can do that. But you know what? That, I think that's setting the bar too low for the minutes that uh, a Raptor team that's hoping to contend. Will get that, that. That's a position that like ne- needs to be better. Like, what's what's his what's his three point shooting? Because that that's that's the redeem that's the redeeming stat here. If you're poor at some of the other things, but you can hit your three, maybe you'll get some playing time. But I don't think he's a great three point shooter. Um, and defensively, he's okay. But if everybody on the team is playing poor defense, like Barnes, Fred, Chua, who we're gonna get to next, you know, that is sort of irrelevant, man. Like, if, if you know if the Whatever, if all the, the if the front door is open, doesn't matter if the if the window's closed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's true. I thought I did think in this in the with the reserves, he could kind of be that like small playmaking hub that Scotty served as, and he may still yet, but it looks like he might be just sitting for the rest of the year. I do think there is value in having a veteran like him, like professional veteran. Like I had the luxury of talking to him in Victoria, and like. The guy is a very intelligent, very experienced NBA player. So there, there. I will just say that there is value, perhaps, in in him being there on the bench teaching these guys. But I, I will take the loss that he's perhaps not going to get as much. I think, I think you took it like a man there. I think that's good. I think you just got to take it in. There's no splitting the difference <laughs> today. Okay, good. That's still the chance. Okay, okay. Let's uh, let's go with this one. Can we talk about Precious's level of effort? That's a good point because he does look a little disconnected. I don't want to judge a judge a man just by his like you know his facial expressions, uh, but sometimes those say a lot. Uh, how can he go from grabbing 20-plus boards one game uh, to getting beat off the dribble by Niang in the next game? Did he even break a sweat? Yeah, I, I think even Alvin Williams at some point kind of mentioned this. 
that you you can't have a guy like Niang just blow by you. Uh, it's sort of unacceptable. And you know that Precious has it in him to defend it. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not questioning effort. I'm just questioning what's another word for effort. <laughs> I just want to know, like, does anybody have intel on what was going on last night? Because this feels like those guys were hung over collectively, right? Like it, mm-hmm. everybody just kind of seemed out of it. Yeah. Like Could Scott, be. Scotty and Precious are both guilty of this. It's typical with youth. It's like you need something external to get your internal fire like raging. Uh, and you see it with Scotty when it's on. And you also see it very clearly with Scotty when it's off. Pascal's a little bit, was a little bit like that. And we are now seeing that professionalism take over where he is, killer instinct style and so it might just take some time for guys like precious and scotty to lock in on the regular like that might just be the simple answer i know it's not that that satisfying and i i'm disappointed as well because this is an opportunity for precious to really take a huge step forward but i think if you miss a couple shots or you screw up early like you just kind of lose i don't know anybody experiences when you play but like when you don't see the ball go in sometimes your defense slips a little bit that's not a good trade no, it's not, but it does happen. You, 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 you know who that never happens to? OG. That's right. I know. But OG is built differently, and he is mentally tough. I mean, there's no question about OG's like mental toughness. So, I don't know. To me, that's the best answer I have because there doesn't seem to be anything else like you know informative telling me that why he would or wouldn't be locked in. Yeah. He should be roasting this Philly team. Exactly. Uh, and what's concerning to me, it's not the effort, whatever, you know, I, I don't want to get into, I don't want to make assumptions about that. I, I'm not an insider, so I, I don't know that. Uh, the well, What is interesting is that his three-point shooting is freaking off, man. Like over three tonight, he's shooting 24% uh, for the season. Uh, it's, it's four for 17 he is now uh, on, on the season. And these shots aren't like rimming out. They're not like rattling out. Uh, some of them have been like really bad misses. And that's that's the concern that I have for Precious because I think a lot of projections about the Raptors this year assumed that his second half of the season last year would sort of, if not extrapolate into something bigger, but at least remain that way in terms of three-point shooting. And that hasn't been the case yet. I don't know if you think that's just a matter of uh, time or, or what, do you, what do you think there? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's ever – he's not a good three-point shooter. Like, I'm not confident to say that. So you're going to get the ebbs and flows. And, again, like, sometimes you get in these funks. Gary's been in them too. Like, you just – you don't see the ball go in, and it, it perpetuates itself cyclically. But I think the one way you burst out of these funks um, – and Boucher is, has fi- figured this out last year. Again, like, Boucher's another good guy where he's an energy dude, and in his early days – you know, he looked kind of weird and out of sorts. And then last year in the second half, he figured it out. It's like, okay, I'm going to get paid and I'm going to pay, get paid because I'm always going to be the energy guy no matter what. Um, and that takes some time. And I think Precious, you know, like he needs to figure out that like, okay, the ball's not going in the hoop. My ISOs aren't all that successful. I got to crash the boards and I got to get a couple of layups and I got to draw some fouls and go from there. And I think like a little bit over time, he'll figure that out. Yeah, uh, let's see. I mean, let's, let's see. I, I honestly, I, I don't know what's going on with him, but he does look a little off. Okay, so we got we got a few few more here. Um, there's been a question about free throw shooting. There's a couple questions about free throw shooting. So, want to tackle that one? Well, Maybe. I mean, what do you want me to say? Like, I, free throw shooting also, you know, so they say, is a psychological shot, right? Like, there's no reason why elite professional players should be missing a wide open twelve foot shot on the regulars, particularly someone like Pascal who doesn't have Shaquille O'Neal hands or whatever. Um, I don't know. Lack of concentration, fatigue, um, indifference. I, I don't know. Like, what do you want? I, I, I don't know what the answer is. It's not really all that excusable. I mean, we're not a good shooting team, period. We don't shoot the three well. We don't, I, I, I don't, I mean, well, you, I you, mean, your, your free throw shooting will, will more or less track your three-point shooting. Our top five guys are good shooters. They're above average shooters. I'm talking about three point shooting. Like I'm not. I'm well, not talking about like field goal shooting. I'm talking about. Like, they all? I I would. Freddie's above average. OG's above average. Gary's above average. Pascal and Scotty are getting to above average. Okay, let's dig into this. Well, Fred missed was one for three from the free throw line. 
Pascal was seven for nine. That's not horrible, but yeah, I get it. Seven for nine, uh, solid. Yeah, and uh, Chris Boucher missed two, and anyway, we went went one for three. Did we lo- did we lose this game because of the free throws? No, I mean it is a it is an issue in the off yeah. in the regular or in the preseason. It was like really bad and obvious, um, and they have been the tour. Like I agree with you. Like it has been a thing that has popped up here and there, especially Pascal. But again, fatigue is a big thing on free throws. And these dudes, if there's anybody that's going to get tired towards the end of the games, it's going to be the five Toronto Raptors that are playing the, predominantly in these games. Hey, I got a David Griffith. David Griffiths has a good question. It's a, uh, how do you suggest we defend Maxi and Harden combo in the future? Harden will get used to the traps and punish us for it eventually like he did at the end of the game. I mean, that's a tough question. They, did, they didn't figure it out in the playoffs last year, that's for sure. Um, I like OG on Harden. I think we're fine there. I they I don't know what the answer is with Maxi. He's so quick. And his shot, not only is his shot his three-point shooting like at an elite level now, but it seems to me that his pull-up shot is becoming increasingly um, damaging. I think it's this kind of thing where you let one guy cook and you try and take out the other guys as best you can. And that is, has been the recipe for success. Like on Wednesday, for example, right? Like you're not going to win these one-on-one battles with extremely good offensive guys. So you try and take guys out of the game. They take Harden out of the game. They took Embiid out of the game as best they could. Uh, and you try and let one guy kind of cook you. Yeah. I th- like and, it's not the best and- answer, but. I mean, and I think if that guy has to be Harden, uh, I, I I don't think I, I I I like OG on Harden too. I also think Fred on Harden should theoretically work. Like yeah. it should not be as bad as it was today. Uh, today, as you said, we, we maybe I don't know what happened last night with these guys, but they looked a, a step little a step slow. And I think you can you actually have multiple options for Harden. Obviously, you have Siakam if you want to go that that route, but that that's kind of like throwing your best defender at him. Uh, OG or Fred, I think, should work. So when they are running their little uh, screens at the top, we do have some switch options there, which we should probably utilize. Uh, in terms of Maxi's, see, Maxi's a, a guy who's sort of new on the scene still, right? Like we don't know. Like he's he's, he's showing us stuff that we we didn't see last year. He, I think, the scouting report is not out on Maxi yet. It will be later on this year. So I think the question that that David Griffiths is posting here is a question on a lot of people's mind. Um, and I think he, he, once his scouting report comes out and and teams kind of figure him out, they'll he he, he like he's, he's not going to have games like this again. But to answer your question about Maxi, I don't see any Raptor defending him one on one. Maybe Siakam by giving him some space, but that seems like a waste of Siakam. Yeah, like, they, yeah. I think you, th- I think you throw Gary on him. I th- one way you try and punish these guys Gary. is on the on the offensive end. It's just like you try and and put Maxi through a, a ton of pain and punishment in screens and switches, and just try and get him to foul th- trouble or try and get him off his game by just putting him on his on his back heels and like, punishing him. And I think I think that can work in the future um, when we're trying to like make Maxi less of a threat. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point uh, because his offensive game is predicated on a lot of movement. The guy does not stay still; like yeah. he he uses up a lot of energy on on the offensive side, just just running. He reminds me a little bit of Rip Hamilton, to be honest with you. Like the way he utilizes screens and runs around a lot. Um, he, so good point that if you if you tire him out defensively a little bit more, maybe he's not so active offensively. That could be one strategy. But uh, he, he also, I would be curious to know what his numbers were in transition. I think he probably like on off the top of my head, I can think of nine points at least, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and that's by virtue of like poor transition defense, poor shooting, you know, turnovers. So you know, it's the kind of thing that. Um, he won't necessarily have that kind of um, those kinds of nights when the game has slowed down and we're being more responsible. Thank you, Phoenix Z. We got to oh, talk. Boy. The guy he reached deep into his pocket. Now you got to spend four more dollars <laughs> the subscription. That won't um, even get yeah, me on the PTC. Scotty didn't post up once this game. Okay, you 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 take it. 
Yeah, that's that's a problem. I, who, should, like, who would you rather? Po- who is a more efficient post up, Scotty or OG? I want both of them posting up. I want post. I want. I wanted Pascal to post up. I don't really have to worry about that anymore. I want these guys to. The thing is, one of the luxuries of having so many wing defenders is there's going to be a mismatch. It's just like inevitable. And, you know, there seems to be a philosophy from nurses, you know, uh, core thinking that these guys need to learn how to operate in isolation. Like everybody kind of has the green light to from the perimeter to go and do their thing. And I just don't know that that's necessarily correct. Like, OG and Scotty will always have a mismatch. One of them will because somebody else like PJ Tucker is guarding Pascal. Um, and like, I think we should be exploiting that and we don't. So even if it's high post, like the high low, we absolutely roast guys it, every time, like Pascal and Scotty's and even OG for that matter's ability to pass out of the post is at a very high level. And it makes us pretty deadly when we have guys cutting. Um, yeah. And getting open. Yeah, the Scotty in the post is interesting. I, I I like I like seeing Scotty in the post just because I'm a I'm like I love the uh, Miami game, the Eastern Conference low scoring game that we had there. I I enjoyed it, so I, I'm I'm a big fan of slowing the pace down. I, I think I, I think I enjoy the game better to be honest with you because you see sort of the chess pieces move in in the half court and in the post up. You see the uh, you know especially in Scotty's case, like like he doesn't necessarily see doubles but you kind of see him surveying the floor trying to look for a pass so i definitely enjoy the post up i think this goes back to my earlier point about it's sort of antithetical to how the raptors are built in terms of transition i don't think they have yet found the balance of 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 uh you know playing half court post up basketball versus trying to get on the run so that's why i think you you don't see it. but but once a possession sort of breaks down yeah the post up is is a good option but here's the thing with the man. The post up actually takes a little bit of time to get into. Mm-hmm. So if you are, if, if you if you spend the first 14 seconds, 10, 12 seconds of the shot clock trying to like, you know, f- trying to do something else, and then you realize, oh my god, it's only like 12 seconds left or 10 seconds left. Let's go post up, OG. That's not like that's not something you can do like that because that requires first of all position to be established, the the the, the passer to have a good entry pass into the post. A couple of things need to need to happen for a post up to materialize, and I think the Raptors have currently a mentality where they're like, "This possession will be a post up. This possession we're gonna do this." They don't necessarily have the dynamism where they are like, "Okay, things aren't working." Twelve seconds into this possession, let's switch it up and look for a post up. Like they don't audible that. They they kind of make up their mind what the possession will be before kind of like you're bringing the ball up the court. So I think that's maybe a learning point for the for the team. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite plays last year was the early post-entry to OG where he would just sprint down the court, seal his guy, and they would lob it into him. Um, and I'd like to see more of that this year too. Like I, it doesn't have to be a slow thing. It, if if you make like it uh, a point of emphasis, you know, in semi-transition or when you're getting down the floor, that it's immediate wing entry and then post entry, like, or, you know, getting Pascal or Scotty in that high post and then finding the low post guys or the guys in the dunker spots. Like there are ways in which you can get your offense in a natural flow that ends up with guys in the post. Um, but they're just not really interested in it. I think like they, but yeah, they just don't seem to be interested in doing these like one-off plays as much as they are running the the types of flowy offenses they have going on yeah man are we doing tax man or anything like that and yeah uh, who, uh, let's wrap it up let's wrap it up let's do it canm we have our canm tax man of the night who we've now defined as being the most impactful player of the night um canm tax is, is now our sponsor for the second year in a row um they do personal and business taxes you can check them out at canamtax.com. They'll take care of you. Tell them the Raptors Republic sent you. Um, Zarar, why don't you uh, do us the honors? Uh, Taxman, I got to get a Pascal Siakam. The guy's been a joy to watch this season. I think it's a pretty obvious one. Uh, I think last time you guys made a joke, like like we should just call this award the non-Pascal Siakam yeah. Taxman of the night. So to make it a little bit more interesting, why don't we talk about 
who other than Pascal Siakam would deserve it? Because I think he's going to win in a lot of these nights. I was going to give it to OG. Okay, OG. He, he, was the, he, he, he looked like in the locker room before he went around and like captured the aura of every other player, bottled it and drank it. Like He had the energy of four players out there. Um, he was everywhere. Even on like the block that Boucher had, OG came flying out of nowhere and double blocked it. Like mm-hmm. he just, I was surprised he only had three stocks, steals and blocks. Like I thought he had way more. Um, and he, he played very well tonight, even though he didn't have the best shooting night. Oh, by the way, I think we should have like a, another, like kind of like a broader award or not an award, like a notable moment, which is the Sam Mitchell 0000, 0, 0, 0 award. When, <laughs> I think he was referring to Andrea Bargnani or somebody. I don't know. When, when is it, in the post-game interview, they asked him like, hey, what happened? Like, why'd you lose this game or whatever? And, and he goes, well, we got guys out here, man, playing like 10 minutes and getting 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0. <laughs> So uh, I'm going to give the 0, zero, zero award to, to uh, Malachi Flint today. I love that. Who in five minutes just went over everywhere, uh, but did manage to break the zero with one personal foul, which shouldn't really count. So, yeah, Malachi so, Flint with the zero, zero, zero award. I guess if you're going literal zero, 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 that would be the award. I'm going to go with Precious Achua, zero points, over six from the field, um, and two turnovers to his one block and one assist so that nets out to zero uh and he had three boards which is for him zero so i'm gonna i'm gonna give the zero 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 award to precious <laughs> you got a new got a new award i like it i'm into it yeah, i like it zero 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 award the sam i think we should give it to sam mitchell we should like give credit where credit is is freaking due yeah, we'll man. bring him on and maybe he can choose one one time Okay. Um, I think we're going to leave it there because it's Friday and it's almost 11 o'clock. Thanks for joining me, Zarrar. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, Oren's at the game. Sahal's doing whatever. Kyle, who knows? Probably cooking again. Um, so appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, really appreciate it. Don't forget to like us, subscribe to us. If you really want to, you can uh, join our now new paywall for the website and and uh, buy a membership at a very reasonable $6 a month. We'd love including to have tax. What? Including tax. Including tax. You can read if it alone is worth reading Samson and Lou, they're professional writers. Lou's the data guy. Samson's the X and O's guy. So you'll learn a lot from them. And then I'll give you the odd laugh or two, but um, it's really worth the money, and I, I suggest that. Otherwise, we'll catch you all Monday against the Atlanta Hawks in Toronto. I won't be there because I'll be at the game in my costume, so you have to look for me. Strong man. I'm a, I'm a strong man. Uh, catch you all later. You guys leave it late.